Welcome to the Set Yourself Free podcast, real stories from ending emotional abuse and taking your life back. I'm your host, Carrie Beach, owner of Set Yourself Free. I'm a life and success coach that believes we all have limitless potential within us if we have the right tools and support. Trauma or past hurt might be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the entire story. We all have different versions of what freedom means, and I'm here to help you unlock your perfect version of it. Join us for season two, where we follow four extremely courageous women who share their stories of what it actually takes to get to the other side of trauma and abuse. Through their stories, you will know that you are not alone, that shame only grows in secret, and that it does get better on the other side. By hearing their stories, you will gain insight, tools, and practical ways that you can access the power inside of you. All of the magic is waiting for you, and we simply need to tap into it. These women will give you the courage and strength to find your freedom. Let's dive in. What were some of the biggest lessons you learned along the journey to setting yourself free? Olivia. Well, the first lesson was definitely around like trusting myself, which I feel like is such a common theme um, in the whole story and probably also with the other women. Yep. Um, But I also think like trusting yourself and trusting that sometimes the journey towards full self-trust takes a little bit longer than you think, but it's worth like going on. You know, one of the things I wanted to beat myself up about when everything happened was like, why didn't you do something sooner? Why didn't you, like, you should have listened to yourself. You should have, should have, should have. And I was like, I had to go through it on that timeline. And I had to, like, things happen, had to happen exactly as they did for me to be able to come out of it, not like on top, but come out of it feeling okay. Yeah. Um, so trust yourself and trust the process. Mm. Um. So what do you feel like that looks like? Or can you talk a little bit more, maybe how that felt or how you were able to develop that? Yeah, well, I think it was through talking to a lot of people in my life about what had happened and also knowing that I wasn't the only one in the six years that we were together that was fooled. You know, I wasn't the only one that, um, you know, was essentially lied to for years all the time. And so obviously we were the closest, uh, me and my ex were closer than the other people in our life, but it did comfort me to know that they were like, there's no way you would have been able to know all of this. Like, I think when you, it comes to someone who's you know, a master manipulator or pathological liar or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm not a therapist, so I can't really diagnose him, but they can outsmart you, you know? And I think I had the inner, I had the inner feeling that something was going on, but it's, it's tough to be in that spot because it's like, you know, if you dig, you're going to find something. And you know, if you don't, you're going to stay in anxiety. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I made myself feel better 
intentionally by talking to people who told me like, you're not dumb. You couldn't have known this. Like you did the best that you could with the information that you had at the time. And honestly, it just made me feel a lot better. I think, I don't remember if we talked about this before, but there was a point when I was like blaming myself for everything. And Mm. then there was a point where I was like, I actually don't want to feel like shit anymore. And there's no (laughs) point in me beating myself up for letting this go on for too long or for not looking into things sooner or for not trusting myself. And then like we talked about like, you know, when things actually did fall apart completely, like my youngest son was one. I felt like I could manage things. I was a little bit more financially stable. I had things in place, you know, and I'm like, thank God I just let things play out to the, to the degree that they did. Right. Well, and I think it's always the lesson to lean into remembering, like we want to beat ourselves up thinking it's going to get us something and it never does. It never does. No, it just made me doubt myself even more. And then I would think to myself like, okay, I can never be in another relationship again. I can never trust anyone. I can never like every bad feeling means something is wrong. And like, I would go in these like really negative spirals. And then I think I had to get out of that pretty quickly because my older son like came in the bedroom one day, a couple weeks after everything happened. And he was like, are you going to be sad again today? And I was Aww. like, no, like I'm good. And I just remember like telling myself, all right, I'm, I'm just going to stop this loop and, you know, be grateful that it happened and turn it into the best thing that ever happened to me. Which is still a daily practice. Uh, yeah, it's not like one and done. I mean, this is, I think, forever the work for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I love I love you normalizing that too, because I think that that is often where we have to start of like, okay, I'm sick of feeling shitty. So what can I do about this? And oftentimes that's like looking at the stories we're telling ourselves in terms of how upset we are with ourselves for the choices we did or didn't make and just starting right. there. Right. And it doesn't mean that like you don't learn from it. I think I had this like Catholic guilt thing happening yeah. where I'm, like, I have to keep punishing myself. I have to keep punishing myself. And it's not just in that relationship, but that's like a theme of my life. I'm like, I did something wrong. I have to keep beating myself up for it. But the reality is, is it doesn't get you anywhere. It just makes it worse. And like, you've learned the lesson, you know, you don't have to keep reliving the mistake. Yes. Shelby. Hmm. That is a huge question. I'm just going to take a breath as I feel into the biggest lessons. I was driving earlier today and thinking about how I spent so much time and still spend so much time trying to be special Hmm. and um, realizing that I think that came a lot from what I went through and just the way that trying to become special in my realm is probably not what you're thinking. I, I got very sick. (laughs) and have been dealing with chronic illness for so long. And Hmm. it's all the mystery chronic illness things that many of us with trauma experience. And um, it was a way that I, you know, could stand out from others and maybe get some extra care, get people to notice or 
give me a little extra attention or give myself a whole lot of extra attention. I mean, the amount of time that I put into taking care of my medical stuff is incredible. Mm. And I think what I learned was that, um, that level of care that was lacking in my life really manifested as, um, for me, a chronic health condition, but it could be anything for anybody. And um, that needing to be special wasn't actually the answer. <laughs> needing to learn how to care for myself on a deep level and how to have an incredible amount of empathy for the ways that I became very sensitive or overwhelmed easily or quite reactive or um, just really, really disconnected and scared. I needed to learn how to ask for that from others, to speak my truth, to say what I wanted. Uh, and what getting sick did for me was forced me to learn how to take care of myself in a way that I wasn't shown and, and ask for what I needed and wanted in a way that I wasn't shown. So that's been the longest running lesson that I learned that, you know, it doesn't seem like such a positive lesson, but in the end, it's been a phenomenal lesson because now I know how to pay attention and attune to when things are even just a little bit off in my system. And advocate for myself. And I didn't have an advocate, you know, when I was going through all of that over and over and over for so many years. And so it's taught me how to be my biggest advocate to be okay being a total bitch. If like someone in the healthcare industry is like not paying attention to me in the way that I need, or I've hired someone to help me with some something and they're really missing the point. Like, I have to be the fiercest mama bear in the world. Mm. <laughs> and so I think that it taught me that it's okay. It's okay to actually um, ask for what I want and need and to not have to be super nice to get it. I love that. Well, because I think so many things that you just said like stand out to me in terms of asking for what you need and want that when you're not used to it and when you don't have other people modeling that for you, it's oftentimes really hard to do that well because it's like, well, what does this actually look like? Who do I turn to that's doing this in a way that feels good to me? And I think some of that just comes from trial and error, right? Of like figuring out like, oh, does this actually feel okay in my body to ask for it in this way. And then when it doesn't, it's like, okay, we'll try something else. And, um, and I think that that is so important to give people permission to just kind of try it on and see what works. And, yeah. you know, cause I think we're so afraid sometimes of like doing it wrong, whatever it is. <laughs> and it's like, we're kind of missing the point when we see it that way because we're just all having this human experience and we all get to be loved in a way that feels good for us. And learning that can be really, really challenging when it hasn't been modeled for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I believed that I was wrong. And so then my body became what was wrong because that's the only thing that was safe. Like I couldn't make those people wrong because they were the ones that were housing me and protecting me and taking care of my, you know, food and school. And 
So what many of us who are experiencing that kind of neglect or abuse or uh, trauma, we do is we turn it inwards. And so I turned it so hard into myself that I made myself really sick. And um, so the gift that came out of that was just the immense level of support and care inside myself. I learned how to offer and how I learned how to navigate getting support on the outside from people that were actually trustworthy, that could really help me, that could really show up in a way that felt good for my sensitive system. Because yes, it, it wasn't modeled to me. And it's not because the, you know, my primary caregivers, um, at least one of them didn't try, but it was just, it missed the mark. You know, she had her own trauma. (laughs) Of course. Well, and with that, like the other piece that you said that I love is learning how to advocate for yourself and that that was such a priority and it had to become a priority, especially within the healthcare system or getting support for your body. And it's so frustrating at times, but we have to learn to become our best advocate. Like, in everything, you know, I, I speak personally for myself. Like I talk about it all the time of celiac being one of the best things that's happened to me because I have to advocate for my health and, you know, no one else can do it for me. Like I live in my body, you live in your body. And so it can be really frustrating because sometimes we still have pieces of us that want someone to rescue us or to do it for us. But it's that kind of letting it be both. Like we have to advocate for ourselves, but we also get to ask other people to help when we can't stand up for ourselves in those moments. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's amazing how many, I could go on and on and on about the gifts that have come out of um, having chronic illness and chronic pain, you know, Mm -hmm. part of how I learned how to stay safe at home was not creating any extra conflict. (laughs) And so what I did was like, I'm sick. Nobody can touch me. I'm sick. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel bad. I have a tummy, you know, like that's how I learned how to avoid conflict, like the plague. And I watch myself still doing it today where someone will, you know, like my old past landlords being such a jerk. And I want to be like, won't you be nice to me? I don't feel well. Instead of like, um, excuse me, you need to actually be in integrity and do what you said you were going to do, which to me is like very scary because if I had said that to my primary caregivers and horse trainers growing up, I would have taken so much shit and it would have been so painful and uncomfortable what the backlash would have been. Mm. And so it, the illness has been, has helped me survive in such incredible ways for so long. Mm. However, um, it's also taught me, well, I, I don't want to live like this forever. I have to learn how to speak my truth when things are hard and uncomfortable and I feel scared and I need to gather my support around me mm-hmm. because I didn't have that growing up where people are going, you're going into a difficult conversation. I got your back. I know it's scary. Give me a call if you need me to, to be there for you. Even if that, I tell myself that's a conversation that anybody else could have and make it be really easy you know? Uh, Yeah. Well, that's the best feeling in the world, right? Knowing you're fully supported. And so you can have those hard conversations. You can take those risks and you know, ultimately you're going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Elizabeth, 
<sighs> the biggest lessons I learned, so many, it feels like it was actually more than a process of learning. It was a process of unlearning. Mm-hmm. And there were so many things I had been doing my whole life that were unconscious or not true choices or things I had just ingested from my family of origin or from my society. And um, I had to unlearn. I had uh, just, it, it feels like almost no you know, negative or deleterious pattern is, is left unturned. And I cannot get away with the slightest residue of um, a pattern that, that got me in the situation that I was in. It keeps coming up and coming up again and again, layers and layers to, to be released and transformed and resolved. Um, so the biggest one that I'm working on right now that I'll share is um, taking care of myself. Mm. So I, um, I, I'm curious, I'd be really curious to know if people who find themselves in similar situations um, are similar to me in that they have a habit of um, neglecting their own needs and not taking care of themselves or looking to take care of others first. Um, I would guess that maybe that would be a pattern because uh, it's certainly part of what kept me stuck there yeah. was just not believing that I was worth, that I could even, that it was safe to have needs. Like that's just the most basic level. I did not believe on the level of my nervous system, of my body, because mm-hmm. as I've shifted that, I can feel the neural pathways changing. And it's scary because at some point I learned it is not safe to ask for what you need. If you ask for what you need, you will lose love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so staying in a situation that was very um, harmful to me on you know, a physical level, sexual level, psychological, emotional, financial level, like all of these levels, I could only stay there if I, if I didn't believe that. I, I could speak up and have my needs met. And as I tried to change that pattern, it's very difficult because it's, it's tied to, um, you know, fear of losing love, which is tied to fear of death. And it's, yeah, it's been hard. And, um, but it's been my focus, I would say, uh, a few months now, my, my primary focus. And it's a process little by little of choosing to slow down um, get out of my mind and mm-hmm. stop trying to solve all the problems, stop creating problems so that I can solve them because <laughs> that would make yeah. me feel safe. Right. And slow down and be in my body, like the part below my neck, mm. right. And be present. Um, and that's, there's so much wisdom in the body that we completely neglect in our society. And, um, the mind is easily manipulated. The mind is easily confused. The mind is powerful if used in the right way and powerful if used in the, in the wrong way. So, um, and I, my, you know, self-care, um, has involved that learning embodiment the most right now. So that's my biggest lesson. I love that. And I really, I'm sure so many other people will resonate with that because I so resonate with that notion of unlearning. I feel like that is, that is so much of the path. And if people are able to step into that, because 
it feels so disruptive and uncomfortable, right? That it's like, no, 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 I want to learn, learn, learn. And yet really the lesson is unlearning. Like I, I just, I think those are such beautiful words in how that can unfold for people if we're willing to step into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the piece of taking care of ourselves and what that looks like. And I loved literally everything in me was resonating with what you were saying about worth. Cause I was like, that is what I felt as you were speaking, because I think it just always boils down to our belief system around if we're worthy and we are, but mm-hmm. our mind tries to trick us into believing that we're not. Yeah. And it's, and it's really tricky the way, the way the, the pieces of our shadow work, because mm-hmm. I would never have thought in looking at me, never, nobody ever would have thought that I had low self-worth because what I had built was a shadow structure, a, a, a false structure yep. that wasn't the true me that was holding the place of the true me because she wasn't there. So a structure to keep me safe that was typically um, uh, more like judgmental. Like I, I have confidence. I've always had a lot of confidence. I've always been a very capable woman, a very independent woman, very smart, high achieving, right? And to me, whenever I see that in in um, somebody who I'm in close contact with or a character like Hermione and Harry Potter, right? Anything like that, I'm like, this person has trauma, right? Like mm-hmm. this high achieving person likely is, co- I wonder, or I'm curious if they're coming from mm-hmm. this same place. So it's not, you can't just look at yourself and say like, well, I don't have low self-esteem or I don't have low self-worth. It's not that easy, right? right. You have to um, go to go deeper, like go deeper and slow down and examine, like, is this habit serving me? Is mm-hmm. it serving me? Is, we, we love independence in our society. We love strong, independent women. And I come from a long line of them, but I've really broken down a lot of that shadow side, the shadow side of the strong, independent woman, because it just, I didn't feel safe relying on other people. I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to give up control because control is always how we create fake safety. We can, we can never control ever, ever, anything ever, right? It's always fake safety. And a lot of times confidence, right? And ability comes from like the deep fear and a deep lack of safety, right? And that can be tied to, right? The the reason I didn't, you know, I had lots of reasons not to feel safe, but um, not trusting that my needs would be met, mm. right? Like I'm deeply unsafe if I don't think my needs are going to be met. So no. I created this whole false structure, you know, I mean, it's not completely false. It's not like sure. I'm just a fake person, but it had these aspects that would come up that were very, that would tend to be more judgy or, um, like I've, um, that's the ones that comes, that's coming to me right now. That was part of that, part of that structure that it, it, I took me a long time to see what was happening there and how tricky it was not in a bad way, but in a, in a clever way, how clever the psyche is and how it tries to protect us. Sarah. The first one was when I first left the relationship or made the decision to leave, I just knew that I was never going to be ready and that I just had to do it anyway. (laughs) And I've heard that, like we hear that in the entrepreneurship a lot, like do it before you're ready, like do it afraid, (laughs) which sounds like such a weird, you know, 
it, it's interesting how that sort of a, it, that was what was in my head. It was like, oh my gosh, like this is one of those moments where I, I know I'm going to be terrified and I just have to do it anyway. And the other thing too, was like, I mean, I got the safety support and all that stuff. Like I put together a safety plan with my recovery coach who I was working with. Um, I didn't know that she was my recovery coach (laughs) at the time because (laughs) I had already begun working with her on someone like with something else that I was processing, but she ended up becoming that in my life. And so when I started opening up to her about what was going on and made the decision to leave, I mean, that was just the first thing that I realized was that Mm. I, if I don't do this now, like I'm never, like it's either now or never. That was kind of how it felt to me. I mean, it's never too late. There's never a bad time or a wrong time. You know what I mean? But, but at that moment, it just hit me like a freight train. Like, wow, I'm never going to feel ready. Like I don't feel ready now. Like I don't want, like, I definitely don't want to leave him (laughs) from that kind of dysfunctional wounded, you know, place. Right. But I just knew that I had to. And so that was the first thing that was the first big lesson. Um, which I think is so honest because we think in our brains, like we're supposed to be ready for whether it's leaving. I mean, you compare it to entrepreneurship. It's the same. It is. (laughs) I mean, we, we have this idea in our brain that we're supposed to feel a certain way. And the reality is it's like, it is like, do it terrified. (laughs) Yeah. Do it. Like I still loved him like deeply Mm -hmm. and immensely. And like the truth was like in my heart of hearts, like I didn't want him to go anywhere. I didn't want it. I didn't really want the relationship to end, but I knew it had to, or else I was going to spend my life living like that. (laughs) And that was, it was as simple as that. Yeah. So it sucked. (laughs) It was really painful. And I'm just, glad that there was like this little tiny wise part of me that just knew like, okay, I know this feels hard right now. It will not feel hard forever. You will not love him forever. (laughs) And, um, like, you know, give your life another chance, right? Like that's kind of how it felt. So it was like you, you had this intuition or this tiny piece of you that knew something needed to be different and you were able to trust yourself and be willing to listen to that. I trusted myself and I trusted the person I think I was working with more than Mm -hmm. me because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. how do I even do this? Like, what does a safety plan even look like? I don't even know. Like, and (laughs) it was like, these things should seem obvious, but they don't when you're in that foggy, confused space where you're like, well, oh, but I don't really know if I want to leave. And like, what if like, like, what am I, you know, who am I going to go do this thing with that I'm so used to doing with this person? And it's just so, it was so hard for me to even conceive of like what my life could look like without him because he was the center of my universe for, you know, like, the majority, the, the entirety of our relationship. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So like, even just like getting my locks changed, like she had to tell me to do that stuff because that's how, like, none of this stuff came naturally. I had to like get advice, (laughs) like get help and get support. So that was, I think 
the second thing was that Mm. I knew I couldn't do this alone. Mm. It's like, if you have to do it alone, like, please just do what you need to do to keep yourself safe. Because I know not everybody has, um, you know, like emotionally intelligent friends who like I do, I have friends who are maybe not super educated about these things, but they knew what to say to me and they knew what not to say to me. Mm -hmm. And having people that I could rely on for that was incredibly helpful too. So there were a lot of different pieces that went into the safety plan, so to speak. It wasn't just getting the locks changed. It was like, I had to have people to lean into because if I did it, I was just going to end up leaning back into him. Yeah. Which I mean, is so important to hear again, right? I mean, we talked about mm-hmm. support and help before, but that reminder that none of us need to, or should, or would want to really do it by ourselves. Like it is just mm-hmm. too much. And so whether that's, you know, having to find support outside of your friends, if you don't have that, like that, that mm-hmm. is necessary, especially when you're in the midst of it. Yeah. And the reason I think that is so important to reiterate is because when we're in that state, I know for me, like I was carrying the entire weight, like the emotional weight of what was going on in the relationship. I was doing it all by myself. Mm. Like I was bootstrapping just like regular functioning. And so the reason I keep saying like, you can't do it alone is because I had to break that ice and break that cycle of like carrying everything myself because I already was trying to do it all by myself and it wasn't working. My life was not working trying to do that. And so, you know, coming forward to a few people I trusted was necessary. It wasn't optional. It was necessary. I had to start telling people who, even if I didn't totally trust them because you know how it is. Like we isolate ourselves when we're in a situation like this. We feel like we can't trust anybody. We're not, we're not actively trusting anyone with what we're going through. And so that will feel scary too. It won't feel like a soft landing to lean into at first, but it could eventually. And so giving people, you know, who I have history with, who I had pretty good relationships with the opportunity to keep my trust and to earn my trust on this particular thing was, again, wasn't optional. It was absolutely necessary. I needed to lean into, into that, even though it was hard. And even though that terrified me too, because I felt humiliated, I felt like a failure and I felt like, oh my God, I had like propped up this image of what, you know, I was hoping everyone would believe my life was looking like, you know, and now it's like crumbling down. And that's a really, that's a really shitty place to be. It is. And, and, and yet I think the most beautiful message out of that, that hopefully, you know, people can hear and that I always am trying to convey Mm -hmm. to the world is that is the most tender spot we can be in where willing to work through that and to, to let safe people in, right. It's not everyone, but then shame has no ability to grow. 
right? Like none. And so mm-hmm. our brains and everything in us wants to convince us of what you're just saying and like how humiliated you're going to be, how embarrassed you're going to be, how shameful it is. And yet when you mm-hmm. find a safe person on the other end, it has the complete opposite effect. And yeah. that's where we can face those things and really do the work to change because we have a mirror of somebody who accepts us for all the things that we think we're unlovable as a result of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. That is <laughs> so incredibly true. And that's, I think the biggest thing is that this is going to feel like, and I really am like speaking to the person who is in that place of maybe making that decision or hasn't quite made the decision or still feel confused about like, well, is this even really abuse? Like that's the Mm -hmm. question that we constantly ask ourselves, right? It's like, well, but is it really (laughs) like nothing's happened in the last six weeks or nothing's happened in the last three months, but yet I feel terrified and confused all the time. Right. Yeah. Even on the best days. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's going to feel like that for a little while and it won't stop even, you know, like after you make the decision and even like when you go through the safety steps and whatever it is that you need to do to get some buffers, you know, between yourself and whoever the person is, right? Mm-hmm. Like it felt awful for months, but mm-hmm. it, but like, that's okay. Right. Uh, like uh. it didn't really start to feel good it it took a while. It really felt kind of like trudging through quicksand for a little while, but I'm so glad that I was at least willing to kind of, I mean, it felt like white knuckling it for a little bit there. (laughs) And even though I was like, I was rewiring my brain. I was like, you know, getting my nervous system back to a healthy, calm state. Like this, even that stuff takes time. So like the inner work takes time, the external stuff, all of it, like working together it takes time for it to start to feel good, I think is the biggest lesson or the biggest, um, just the biggest thing that I would want to say to someone. Um, so it's going to feel crappy, but keep going because Mm. at some point it will feel good. And you're going to be so glad that you kept going. This episode was so great because I, think one of the greatest gifts of life is being a lifelong learner, of being curious, of being willing to have different perspectives on things and staying soft and knowing that um, what someone I love says is that everyone's our teacher And so not everything that everyone says is going to resonate with us, but I think there are always lessons and everyone has something to offer us and to teach us. And if we stay soft and we stay open to the possibilities, there is so, so, so much magic. And so what I love about this episode and what it breaks down is how unique each of these women's stories are and how different the lessons can be. And yet the similarities that come in walking through something very difficult and super challenging and traumatic and that there are lessons and we have to remain open to them. It's it's a lie that everything's going to feel good all the time because it's just not. But the more and more I 
dive into the world of personal growth and development and do my own work and coach clients and hear stories like these and pull from all my past life experience of just really being a student of observing people and getting to know people and knowing people. I just, I really pride myself on being someone that desires deep, deep connection and is able to connect with people on a level that allows them to be seen and heard and understood. And so what I know to be true is that there are always lessons and life is always working for us, not against us, but we have to be willing to see things differently sometimes and be open to the teachers in our lives and the people that have great wisdom that is sitting right in front of us. So I hope you gleaned such wisdom from this episode that you feel as encouraged as I do and that you take this into your week and you take it with you to share your story in a new and different way as a result of being inspired by theirs. So thanks for being here. So grateful for you and can't wait to see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Set Yourself Free podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here supporting me and supporting these incredibly brave guests. If you can do me a favor and take one minute to share this episode with someone that needs to hear it, I would be so grateful. And if you are willing, please go leave us a review. Each month, I will be choosing a reviewer to give a free session to as a thank you for listening. One thing I know for certain in this lifetime is that we will forever be as sick as our secrets. Shame has no ability to grow when we share our stories in safe places. I'm more encouraged than you could possibly know by those that are willing to speak up and help all of us know that we are not alone. So don't forget, head on over to my website at setyourselffreellc.com grab your free journal and book a free 30 minute call with me to talk about the number one mindset block stopping you from the life you want and one thing you can do this week to shift it. Thanks again for being here and we will see you next week.